Yeah, I'm pretty much dry on topics. Oh. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I spent a lot of time. Now I get topics. I read things at work. I get this. Hold on, I'm dying. Focus your chi. Did you drink a Coke, you idiot? You insulted me and I felt bad. And my hiccups are gone now. Yes, I insulted <laughs> God them damn it. Classic strategy for hiccups insult someone until their hiccups go away. I gotta get rid of these hiccups, man. I'm dying. I mean, we can't start until this hiccup stop. It might never stop, though. Well, I guess we'll never record. Calm yourself. Be like, wow. Man, they really, they really are bad on the waveform. What if I had just muted myself and I didn't actually get rid of them? What if you had like a cough button? <laughs> God damn it! You almost had him. Oh, the podcast is dead. <laughs> it was killed by hiccups of all. <laughs> Man, those are gnarly hiccups, too. They hurt. Is this what it's like to listen to a man die? Welcome back to Zero Credits, the show where we talk about things. My name's Henry. And my name is John. And together we're Henry and John. I haven't said that in like two weeks. Yeah, I feel like people forgot who they were who they were dealing with. I feel like people forgot who hosted this podcast for a second. Wait, even after we introduced ourselves, you think they forgot like right after after that? Yeah, immediately. Like, because I didn't say together were Henry and John, they immediately forgot what they were listening to. They had no idea who we were, and they're like, why is this in my ears right now? I mean, the thing is, it's it's all about whether it's an and or an or statement. You know, if you have a podcast where one host says, hi, my name is Henry, and someone says, my name is John, they could assume rightly that these are two people hosting a podcast completely separate from each other just saying things that happen to match up like if they happen to be recording two separate podcasts but sharing the same microphone yeah because we have to make it clear that this is a podcast hosted by henry and john yeah and not henry or john yeah or not henry comma and comma john <laughs> that would be a gross misappropriation of commas. Ah, uh, one of many. I overuse commas. That's my problem. Uh, 
the typical problems of commas are over and under use. There's no middle ground. I use the hell out of commas because whenever I'm like, whew, I need a break, comma. <laughs> I need a break in my thought, not in the sentence, just I need a pause, so I'm going to put a comma here. I very commonly, and this is in text messages and some writings, where I will say, I'm comma like comma, and then uh, continue on and then have another three or four commas before period. <laughs> Well, it, it, I think like should be in commas like that, because otherwise people are going to read it like the verb and not as the, uh, what do they call that, the verbal filler word? Yeah, the uh, the, 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 the fricative. I've been trying to read a little bit about uh, linguistics, and I'm not doing great at it. I don't, I don't understand it. I studied linguistics in a roundabout way for about a semester for my history of the English language course. And it is some of the most confusing things to read just because you can't hear like that. So if you like how we've, how we pronounce letters has changed over the, the, the decades and you can't really hear it anymore. You can't hear how the, how the sounds have changed. And when you read things such as uh, I was reading something about Irish accents and how I was reading a paper about the American R. Okay. And how we have an R sound unlike any other language on Earth, pretty much. Wait, just our R? Yeah, the way we say R is very weird because it takes a lot of energy. We place it at a weird like place in the mouth and we put it in this huge pocket of air. It's, it's not very common. Is that why I can't roll my tongue? Is that roll my? I can't, I can't roll my. I had a dream I could, but I can't, I still can't do it in real life. I sometimes have a dream where I can whistle. But I was uh, I was reading about Irish accents, and it said that you know whereas the R in like an Irish accent is put all the way cupped in the front of the mouth. I'm like I'm reading this, so I have no idea what that means. Yeah, I'm very much a hands-on visual learner, as in like if you walk me through it, I think they actually call that like a kinesthetic learner, where I kind of mm -hmm. have to do it to to kind of know it. <laughs> and reading about accents and like sound. And I, I can't, I can't recreate what they're talking about because I have no idea what they're talking about. It just, it takes me a long time to wrap my head around concepts. I'm in the same boat uh, with uh, conceptual learning from text because if I read, and it, it makes math difficult because if I read about how to do something, I'm like, what? But if I see someone do it once, I'm like, got it. Yeah, like, there are just different ways that people uh, learn. That's one of the things that were that was drilled into me when I was teaching at the college level, was that your approach to teaching might not fit everybody, to which I said, well, too bad. Too bad, everybody. <laughs> I'm not getting paid enough to care. True. <laughs> I mean, it was just part of a graduate course, so it was like, I had to do it. And those kids ended up okay. Yeah, hopefully. I hope. Yeah, me. Yeah, who knows? It was just, it's composition. I, they, they knew how to write. They didn't know how to write. They know how to write. They just aren't trying hard enough, lazy students. Yeah, whatever comes after millennial. Um, oh, that's, uh, what is it? Post-millennial. Post-millennial. We are the generation that is so important that the generations that come after us start having post. There, there's going to be post-post-millennial? God, help us for the post-post-millennials. Yeah. 
<laughs> it's all about us. Me, me, me. It's really going to be weird because after us, it's going to be the post-millennials. And then they're, the generation following them will be both the post-post-millennials and the neo-millennials. Yeah, that's going to be confusing. They're going to have a little bit of an identity crisis. Yeah, and it's going to be a roll of the dice which one you give birth to. <laughs> because it's an either-or situation. Yeah, you can't be both. That's... Yeah, that's that's the future we're going to live in, if we live in a future at all, John. Hey, I mean, we're not going to live in that future because we're going to be dead in the ground. Nah, man. Mandatory immortality. Oh, well, I'm okay with that. I already eat mostly vegetables, so I'm anticipating to live to the ripe old age of either 35 or 108. Uh, speaking of, of ages, John, huh? I don't know if this is a little self-serving to bring up, but it was my birthday recently, John. Oh, brag. What? No. But unlike most people, John... Jesus Christ. I hate my birthday. No, why? Because you're older? No. Because birthdays have a weird effect on on, on society, John. You've probably noticed that when it's somebody's birthday, there's a certain sense of obligation by the people around them to ensure... That they're having a good birthday. Yeah, and it almost becomes more about the other person than about you. Yeah, I, like, I, 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 I don't like attention, John. Oh, well, it, happy birthday. Get over that. Well, see, that's the thing. It's like, I, I, so, I arrived at work yesterday on my birthday, and there is a happy birthday banner hung over the door to my office, And so the entire day, it was people walking past, doing a double take, then walking back to stop in and tell me, hey, happy birthday. And that's all well and good, but then you have to have a tiny conversation with with every one of these people. And some of them are okay, some of them are good. Others are just like, we've never talked before. I don't even know your name. You're only doing this out of a social obligation And because of that, you're putting more attention on me that's unnecessary, unwarranted. So, like, let's just skip that part. You don't have to make sure I'm having a good birthday if you don't know me. I mean, birthdays, I think that 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 kind of behavior comes from an altruistic place because they're like, oh, well, I don't want him to have a bad birthday. Yeah, and I get that, but it's like... When you're in a new work environment, there's no way to, like, tell people, hey, I don't actually like my birthday. Because the the, the common thing and the, 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 the default setting, if you will, is everybody loves their birthday. It's a time of celebration. Yeah, and I think that, I mean, I try to take birthdays pretty seriously when they're, like, people I'm in relationships with. And I think birthdays are, are big deals for people you're very close to. But for friends, it's like, ah, happy birthday. What do you want? Nothing cool. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, I, and that's, like, people tr- offering to get me presents and stuff. It's just like, no, skip it. Because... I don't go out of my way to give people presents on their birthday, so I shouldn't expect people to give presents to me. Yeah. You know, a uh, golden, uh, golden ratio or whatever. Yeah. But here's the thing, John. They haven't taken the banner down. Oh, I, I was going to say I have a foolproof plan for you if that's the case. The, if the case is that the banner is still up and people are still popping in on today, the day after my birthday, to wish me a happy birthday... No, no, no. You go into work tomorrow and you take that banner down. Yeah, I probably should, because... And then, 
you put it up three or four more times in a year and people will stop thinking it's your birthday because they'll be so confused. Confiscate the banner for my own personal uses and just put it up randomly throughout the... I love it. It's great. Yeah, just put it up two months from now. People will, it Wasn't it... Well, I, I, I don't want him to have a bad birthday, so <laughs> happy birthday. Uh, how old are you? Okay, cool. I'm gonna... And then like four months later, put it up again like, this... Wasn't it just... Well, I mean, I, I guess. And then time number four, they're like, hold on. Yeah, d- defeat it by just spamming the birthday. Yeah, make it a meaningless occasion. That would be great. Because it's just the, it's the same conversation every time. It's like, oh, how old are you turning? And then you reveal how old you are. And then based on your age and based on the age of the person asking, you either get, oh, you're so young. And oh, you're getting up there. And it's just like, it can't be both. It's almost always older people. No, I take that back because it's it's from both camps who are like, oh, getting oldies. <laughs> getting oldies. And, and like, you know, I the mistake I make is like, I try to, to anticipate what the reaction is going to be. Because I, you know, I'm trying to speed the conversation along so that it will end sooner. And... I'm always wrong, John. Yeah, small talk's like that. The faster you try to get out of it, the longer it lasts. It's like a Chinese finger trap or whatever those, whatever the the, the politically correct term for one of those little carnival doodads is. So uh, I'm going to walk you through what I think is the perfect amount of small talk for a happy birthday. So pretend it's your birthday. All right. I'll take a time machine to yesterday. Oh, hey, man. Happy birthday. Oh, hey, man. Thanks. How old? Uh, 27. Nice. Yeah. And then I leave. Yeah. That, that's, that would a, be great. This is another thing you could do. Hey, man, happy birthday. Oh, hey, uh, thanks. How old? Uh, 27. Reaper's coming. <laughs> <laughs> Just Reaper's coming? Also, this is another one. Hey, man, happy birthday. Oh. Remember death. Later. <laughs> the mem- what was it? Mem- Memento uh, Mori. Memento Mori. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, like, I I would prefer that. As bizarre as that would be, it would make me laugh, and that would be great. Not forcing me to, to deal with a tension that I wouldn't otherwise have. Yeah, because there's this, uh, there's this kind of tension with small talk like that that just feels like an artificial sweetener. You're like, yeah, I see the imitation of honesty within this, but it just kind of tastes like chemicals. Yeah. And, like, I kind of like how Facebook has sort of relegated a lot of that to just a simple, like, wall post that I can say, thanks, your name, and then move on. That is something that I think should be present maybe in all social media. I don't know. I'm in a weird place with social media right now, but I love the birthday stuff on Facebook because having to remember people's birthdays, ugh. Yeah, it's like either you have to write it down or put it in your phone, and then it's just the same thing as Facebook reminding you anyway. But wouldn't it be cool? I don't know, though. Like, think about it. If you had a friend who was close to you, but you never, like, discussed when their birthday was, and you were talking to another friend, and you're like, oh, shit, it's it's this friend's birthday, then they couldn't blame you like they could if you had Facebook, because if you don't wish someone a happy birthday and you're Facebook friends, there's, like, no excuse, because everybody knows. Exactly, yeah. It, it's a weird thing, because 
you know, the, the little notification will pop up and, hey, send good thoughts to this person because it's their birthday. But if it's somebody I don't actually talk to actively, I skip it on purpose and I feel no remorse. I have the same rule with birthdays on Facebook that I would with birthdays in real life. If they are a person who I would wish happy birthday to in real life unbidden, then I do it. So friends. Yeah, and the, the, the thing I like about the Facebook way of doing it is I can pick and choose who to engage with and like... If a conversation results out of that, well, then at least I had my say. No one has ever started a conversation with me about happy birthday, but actually I take that back because when I wish people I know a happy birthday, I'd send them a message. I, like, start a conversation. I'm like, hey, happy birthday. Care about you later. Yeah, and, uh, you know, that kind of robs a little bit of my authority away, but I, do I didn't mind it because only, like, Three people did it, and only, like, two conversations spawned out of it. And one of them w was with a person I haven't talked to in a long time, so that was kind of nice. Yeah, and then, like, if you do that, Facebook then is like, Hey, it was this person's birthday yesterday. Send them belated wishes. Like, I did send them wishes, Facebook. I sent them a message. <laughs> Shut up. Just because I didn't post it on their wall doesn't mean I didn't wish them a happy birthday. Just because I didn't drive your ad revenue machine, Facebook... Yeah. Yeah, social media is weird, but I do kind of like how it how it helps me in this one instance where I just I just don't want the attention. I want to be left alone to do my work so I can I can get paid and I can come home and do the things I like with the people I like. And yes, it's okay that people are happy for me for having a birthday or whatever, but it's just like I've been here I've been at the company for less than like eight months. Let's just Let's stop pretending that you wishing me a happy birthday is anything more than a common courtesy. Yeah. What if, uh, what if this is the conversation? Hey man, happy birthday. Oh, thanks. This is a common courtesy. I don't know you. Bye. Yeah, uh, maybe... So then maybe what they're doing is, hey, it's your birthday. I'm gonna use this as an opportunity to try to get you to know you a little bit more. Maybe. Or they're trying to get you. They're trying to get. They're trying to. Yeah. They're. It's the, uh, the 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 baby boomer classic trap. If you're friends with us, you can't leave our company. I mean, that's uh, that's what they seem to believe. Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely a true thing. It's like, oh, you're part of our our family now. We're a we're a family, and family doesn't abandon each other. Yeah. There's a. Uh, I won't talk about that. But there's an idea that uh, if people ostensibly like, I guess, do right by you socially, that you have some obligation to stay with them professionally. And I don't think that's right at all. Yeah. It's you know. It that's, that's a very old mindset, and we're, we're very much in a new mindset of, hey, the employee should help the employee and not the employer. Yeah, it used to be, you know, you get in there, you get all snuggly with your coworkers, you're happy to go into work, you create relationships, work is a big part of your life. Now it's get in, get rich, get out. Yeah, get in. Get rich, get out. It's the, uh, it's the, what is it? The, the day trading kind of thing. The penny stocks. Yeah, the, the boxing almost champion Conor McGregor strategy. Oh, where you just duck and weave for ten, for ten rounds and then either you forget the rules of boxing or you're really winded so you get technically knocked out. I think, uh... I mean, one of the first Twitter posts he ever made just said, get in, get rich, get out. And I think he has actually done that very well. Yeah, I, I mean, he went 10 rounds with the greatest boxer of the current age. So I don't think anyone's thinking he's less of an athlete. So 
He he accomplished whatever it was he set out to do, which I guess was make a lot of money. I mean, Conor McGregor has said on multiple occasions, hey, I care about my brain health and I can't do this forever. And he basically engineered a situation in which he, a man who gets punched for a living, got punched for 30 minutes, 32 minutes, and then he left with $100 million. $100 million? Yeah. A hundred million dollars. The the best estimate of the payout of that match was that Floyd maybe got 400 off of it. Wow. And it is the reason why the pay-per-view service sucked and their servers overloaded. It's the reason why that happened because all of the money that went into the event went straight to the boxers' pockets. That is more than likely. Because it seems like a ripoff to charge between 60 to 90 bucks to to watch an event being a live event only to have the service overload from the just the amount of people trying to tune in. And to be clear, it was $100. Oh, $100. That's insane. Yeah, $100 to watch something that just craps out on you. Did you watch the fight, John? No, I'm not going to pay $100 to watch someone get their butt kicked. I did not watch the fight either. I think we were we were watching Teen Wolf while the fight was happening. I forget what I was doing, but also I'm it's it's tough to watch modern boxing. Modern boxing sucks. I think Floyd Mayweather sucks. I think Conor McGregor is a tool. I was interested to see it because I'm like, ooh, zeitgeist, but like, come on. It's a, it's a weird thing that every couple of years boxing comes back up into the zeitgeist. Like it's like a resurging kind of phenomenon, but I think it's just based on the nostalgia f- from when we had the greatest boxers alive in, like, Muhammad Ali and Mike Tyson. Like, back when those guys were, were swinging their big old meaty fist around. That, that's like when boxing was, was in its height. But now it's kind of like, I don't know. It's kind of just noise in the background. I mean, Floyd, May- uh, Floyd Mayweather is one of the greatest boxers in history. He has gone, this is his 50th fight with zero losses. And he's just a super safe boxer. It's just not fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, the thing is, it's like, I, I guess you can have the greatest boxer of all time now, but it's like, he, it, does, it doesn't feel the same for some reason, I guess, because politically and culturally, it's not having as much of an impact. I, I don't, I don't, I honestly don't know the reason. I mean, sports just isn't the Wild West it used to be. I guess not. I, I guess... People are, are broadening their horizons past sports to, to art and culture. and Well, now it's it's actors. Actors and actresses. They get all the, uh, the, polit- the social clout that boxers used to have. I mean, I just want to see actors get knocked out. Yeah, celebrity deathmatch. Let's let's bring back the the claymation style MTV fever dream uh, matches. I would pay any amount of money to see Robert Pattinson uh, chest kick Pharrell. <laughs> it would be cool. You could have thematic nights like Jesse Eisenberg versus Michael Sarah. That'd be great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the fight of two people who look nothing alike, but everyone always confuses them. Yeah, and if you wanted two people that actually look alike, you could have Daniel Radcliffe versus Elijah Wood. Yeah, you know, another fight of people who really don't look anything alike. Oh but... no, John, John, John. They look alike. Oh, they could have Matt Damon and that guy from Bake 
Breaking Bad. Oh, yeah. Todd from Breaking Bad. Yeah, that'd be great. Oh, Todd would be savage. That actor was actually in season two of Fargo, and he did a pretty good job. Yeah, he's a, he's a good actor, little mad demon. Apparently, he was in Friday Night Lights as well, but... I didn't watch that. Man, I want to get so into Friday Night Lights. Like, the uh, the TV series or just the movie? Oh, the TV series. Also, just, like, youth, like, football. Youth football? Yeah, there's, there's, there's something enduring about youth football and media. I just want to be an angry dad. Oh, we'll do that. You have a child, become an angry dad. Did we land anywhere with the birthday thing? Uh, we landed in the middle of a boxing match, John. Ding, ding. Ding, ding. I I, I think, okay, conclusion, I don't think we were going to get to a real solution. I just don't like my birthday, and that's just what it is. Well, Henry, happy birthday. And I, I said it was it was nightmarish, akin to a nightmare, but that was also because my hometown was flooding <laughs> for half oh, the boy. day. Happy yeah. birthday. Yeah, my, my, the the parish that I hail from declared a state of emergency on my birthday. So uh, you and yours are okay? We're fine. The uh, the rain stopped and the water started to go down. Uh, so our, our this is a weird kind of co- complaint or worry, but our pool almost overflowed. And if that had happened, like the water would have been in the house. The end. Yeah, yeah, that would have been real bad. It's yeah. a bad weather time, real bad weather time for this area. I had a moment today where we were crowded around a vault about to go into it because a tornado touched down like a mile away. That's right. I heard about that. There was a tornado warning in your area. It actually touched down? It touched down, did a lot of damage. Man, yeah. that's that's like the third time. Yeah, it was in a different city though, but it was uh, it was close and it was scary. Yeah, I'm I'm sorry to hear that. It's it is a, it's just this one weather system is causing all of this all of these problems. Harvey, go home. Yeah, Harvey like flooded out Houston and then went back into the Gulf and and still like was raining on Houston even as as recent as yesterday and then it flooded my hometown. Now it's causing her hurricanes it's causing tornadoes in your area it's just like man stop it yeah harvey was like "Ooh, i'm parched i gotta go get a drink and then it went back out into the gulf and then just rained hell on another state yeah the unfortunate thing is it's like as we're now entering hurricane season like we just sort of entered it or we're entering it this week uh they're predicting that this is going to be a very active season with a bunch of named st- storms and like 13 to 14 major storms. It would be really cool to live somewhere where hurricanes aren't a threat. It would be, but you know, every region kind of has a, its own threat. You know, the north has blizzards, the west has earthquakes, hurricanes can go anywhere from the east coast to the southern coast. The what only about the desert. I was about to say the only real safe place is the desert, but then you look at you know, Arizona a month or two ago, and, and they had heat in the 100 degrees, and trash cans were melting, and mailboxes were, were wilting like flowers. It, America is not a safe place to live, John. I guess it's tough all over, and the human race isn't meant to live. Well, we're meant to adapt to our surroundings to whatever degree we can, and uh, nature's just trying to up the stakes every so often. Yeah, I mean, nature's gonna keep it interesting. Muscle confusion. Yeah, you don't want to plateau your your evolution. Yeah, those evolution gains. Uh, you know who's a stylish man, Henry? Who's a stylish man? Why is this coming up? Oh, it's a segue. Oh, okay. 
Segway away. So, uh, Conor McGregor is a stylish man. We're, we, the, the boxer? Yeah, well, the mixed martial artist turned boxer. Why are we talking about him again? What happened? That was a bad segue because I should have been like, speaking of Conor McGregor, he's a stylish man. Because I'm actually about to talk about stylish man things. Yeah, I mean, you had a perfect opportunity, but let's not dwell on it. In what way is he stylish, John? He just wears good clothes. Wait, what? This is just about him being stylish? No, this isn't about him at all. Oh. (laughs) Hold on, wait. Let's re- I'm gonna re-engineer this whole segue. Please do. I get the priorities wrong. Okay. Oh, hey, Henry. Oh, hi, John. You know what Conor McGregor makes me think of? What, what does he make you think of, John? He's so stylish. That's amazing, John. You want to talk about style? Uh, kinda. Do you wear cologne, Henry? Uh, no. I, 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 people tried to force me to wear cologne, and I just never did. That's fair. I'm looking into it. I I don't think cologne has a place in the world, but what do I know? I've never been a fragrance person, but I'm considering starting to be a fragrance person. My only advice to you, John, is to spray or spritz maybe once, at most twice, in front of you and walk into it. Walk into the cloud. Yes, do not, do not spritz directly to your skin that is a no-no so i was looking for some affordable and uh, high impact colognes for a gentleman to wear which brought me to of course the gentleman's quarterly gq oh is that what that stands for i believe so oh okay and there was a time in my life maybe five or six years ago when i cared a lot about men's fashion yeah because i had uh oh christ i guess it was like seven years ago But I had spent most of my life not caring about the way that I dressed. Yeah, I mean, I think every... Every person, every guy goes through that. And I had, I didn't really have a style, but I didn't have anything to complain about because I dressed in a relatively muted way. I wore jeans and t-shirts and gray hoodies, and I just didn't think style was something I should mess with. Yeah. So I decided to start caring, and I spent money, and I started, like, grooming and trying to take better care of myself, and I'm a big fan of the results. That's great. You know, there's almost no better feeling than when someone you respect is like, oh, hey, you look nice. I'm like, yeah, awesome. No one has ever said that to me. Just put on a shirt. You mean I actually have to wear shirts? Henry, we've been trying to get you to wear a shirt for years. Is that why you guys keep buying me a shirt that that says put me on? We keep buying you shirts and then trying to wrestle you into them. Yeah, I thought you guys just, it was part of the bit. It was part of a bit. It was a No, bit. it's not a game. It's not a game, Henry. We just want you to wear a shirt. Uh, but no, uh, one of the reasons I kept my hair long was people kept complimenting me about how nice my hair looked. Nice. Compliments are great. <laughs> they, they're really a fuel for, or motivation for decisions. Yeah, humans are like, you know, we're social animals. We live for compliments and stuff like that. No matter how, like, non-vain you are, compliments are a huge motivator. Yeah. And so I was in the, the Gentleman's Quarterly, and most of the style information that I've gotten in my life has come from reading issues and stories on GQ and taking some amount of advice from them. What does GQ say about cologne? Uh, GQ is a fan of cologne as long as it's good. Alright, so no bad colognes. Uh, there are, there are for sure bad colognes, but if they're good colognes... No, I, I which mean... Is, which I, I is mean, to say, expensive colognes. Well, yeah, of course, but but what I meant was, like, 
GQ says don't wear bad colognes. Yeah, don't wear bad colognes and don't wear... Too much. You know, that that gets me to another thing. What has happened to men's fashion? Uh, Men's fashion has been co-opted by people who are in extremely good shape, who wear very tight-fitting, tailored clothes that makes them look like gods, John. And I... I'm okay with that because people deserve to wear a nice suit if they work out a lot or whatever. But I I feel like men's fashion used to be significantly less, like, post-ironic than it is now. How do you mean? So men's fashion, when I was learning about it and kind of made the base that I've been updating a little bit every year, basically said you should wear good things that match and you should wear things you know that are a little bit uh tighter and more flattering than your instincts say you should because you know everyone's like oh my body's terrible i should wear everything that's baggy and shitty but making things fit is good and uh yeah just buy quality things have a few good staples and you're set yeah now men's fashion seems to be a bunch of uh designer clothes that are let's just get into an article that i was reading all right it'll it'll demonstrate my point what's the article called uh the article is called the stylish gym staple you're probably overlooking wait like you're supposed to wear good clothes to the gym apparently or good clothes that look like you go to the gym one of the two okay we'll dive in so this is talking about the gray sweatpant short okay which i think that that's timeless i think that it's a it's a good look and it makes sense that you'd be writing an article about something that maybe people think is passe but can look quite good all right uh the article by megan gustashaw Oh, what does she know? In an era of flashy designer tracksuits and space-age compression basics, ordinary gray sweatshorts might not be top of mind. (coughs) What's happening to my voice? But as much as we're here for logoed-out, technology-fueled gym gear, nothing beats an old-school classic. At old-school, these are. Not only do they have a long history of looking scrappy, think Rocky Balboa, they're also the most honest way to show off all your hard work in the gym. So it then goes to list uh, ten options for very basic uh, sweatshort pants that you can buy to wear to the gym. All right. And I would like to go through a few of these options with you. All right. The first is the Champion Reverse Weave Sweatshorts. Is that the ones that say Champion on them? It is. The the throwback sweatshort, completely unremarkable and therefore perfect. Price, $59. What? Yes. $59 for something that's unremarkable? With a link to Amazon.com. If something's unremarkable, it shouldn't be $59. It should be, like, $20 tops. So let's skip down a little bit. Okay. To the reigning champ mid-weight Terry Sweat Short. That's a lot of, that's a lot of words. If champion sweats feel too dad, this lighter, leaner style is for you. $95. For sweat shorts. For sweatshorts, they look basically exactly like the previous ones. You can buy, like, three for 30 bucks at Academy. Hold on. How about, if you want to spend a little bit more money, you could go with the number three pick, the Fear of God Heavy Terry Sweatshort. The Fear of God? That is the the name brand, apparently. Uh, inspired by early 90s NBA shorts, this above-the-knee style is the ultimate fashion flex. $495. What?! $495. No. 
$495. That's insane. Why? J- just for something? Shorts? For shorts? For shorts. You go to Walmart. You can get five for a nickel. Hold on. The next one, though. The UO Rahem Knit Short. I hate all of these names. With a price this good, there's no excuse not to buy them. $29. Not bad, comparatively. Well, yeah, that that's okay. That's around the bar, ballpark that, I'm, that shorts should be. And then, of course, the next pick, the Tom Brown striped loop back sweatshorts. Who's Tom Brown? These have four stylish uh, kind of bars on one of the legs. Okay. And they're made in Japan. So they talk to you. $550. Do they cure tiredness? How do you, seemingly, with no mention of price, how are you saying these champions for 100, these other ones for 100, these for 500, these are all being presented as options. These are not listed in order of price, no mention of the price anywhere. Oh, there's no mention of the price anywhere? You had to click the links to find them? No, there's nothing in the description saying, hey, these are fucking expensive. That's that's the worst. That This is the bad review of, of options. Options should be like, considering budget, considering luxury, considering all these things... Like, like, if you ever compare graphics cards, if you look up reviews for that, they always weigh in the price, the power, and, like, all of the, the specs of the card. I feel like the same should be done for shorts. I, I feel like money is an option, or, yeah, money is a factor here. Well, let's just move along and say, you know, we were money conscious, so we bought maybe that $100 pair of champions. Okay, we bought a $100 pair of shorts for some reason. And then, well, we got gym shorts, so we need a gym bag. You're telling me gym bags are really expensive? So, uh, this next article by Megan Gustashaw. It's the same person. Athleticism and utility are having a mo- are having more of an influence on menswear than ever right now, which means something great for your workout style, a reimagining of the ubiquitous black duffel bag you carry all your gym gear in. We've endorsed various bag upgrades over the years, but even we can admit that, from a functionality perspective, nothing beats the indestructible duffel with its many pockets and durable nylon exterior. So we've got a few black nylon uh, duffel bags that you can take to the gym. I mean, no one has ever bought a duffel bag for the gym. You kind of just inherit one from, like, your father or your older brother. Well, at least this article starts with the cheaper options first. Okay. You can get this black and gray accent Balenciaga bag for $1,555. What? Or this one, which looks pretty much exactly the same as the previous one with a zipper from Givenchy for $2,950. This, do they have Wi-Fi? I, what has happened? I used to be under the impression that things that were extremely expensive in menswear were generally, you know, suits. Yeah, the suit is, is like the, the diamond in the rough of men's fashion, so it should be the most expensive. And I think what's happened is that we as a society have gotten so used to dressing down that it's become a fashion statement. So staples from designer brands are now fabulously expensive. Yeah, it, it must be that the fashion industry was trying... It's it's hard to make money from guys in the fashion industry unless they're out buying like all of the uh, the suits and stuff or like the, the the those thin little skinny ties. So maybe the fashion industry was like, all right, we're gonna co-opt the cheap options, make them designer, and cater to what 
our audience wants, but we're still going to keep the same designer price. It's terrifying because it's very easy to go onto something like GQ now and feel completely alienated by the prices listed for everything. Yeah, in some regard, fashion is not for the middle class. Fashion has always been targeting, you know, the, the really upper class. That's why... You know, fashion shows, they're not showing off what people are actually going to be wearing. They're showing off what the super elite might wear and what, you know, the designs might trickle down to, like, JCPenney. And I, I guess that is, uh, there. there is a certain kind of classicism involved in fashion because it exists purely to show the impracticality and the, the unusualness of pieces of clothing, not how functional they are or how widespread they could be or how affordable they are. Yeah, if fashion was just about the functionality, we would design the perfect outfit and... It would be probably like the the most uh, the cheapest colors and like the cheapest design, and everyone would wear the same thing. It would be something out of like nineteen eighty four. And another thing about fashion is that fashion comes from exclusivity. So the people who can afford the strangest things are the people we look up to the most. Yeah, because they live a lifestyle that we kind of want to live. We want to be able to not worry about money and buy a $1,000 duffel bag. Or even the $2,000 duffel bag, because heck, we're worth it. I just don't remember fashion being so aspirational. I remember it being aspirational for sure, because, you know, there are $1,000 boots out there. Yeah, I, I think it's just fashion is looking for more avenues, more more places to spread its horizon and it's just working its way across your radar now for the first time. And to some extent, I'm buying into it because I want to get into colognes because I've kind of been getting in this place where I've been uh, enjoying this kind of repeatable style, this pretty, if, if we're being honest, not very daring style, but I'm changing things up. I like to. And I was looking at cologne i was like oh man 30 dollars for a bottle of cologne that's so expensive and then like reading reviews on like fragrantica or whatever fragrance review website or fragrance net i'm like man i need to spend at least like 60 what to get a decent quality cologne yeah because you read reviews from people who have a perspective you don't and they speak with a level of authority where they say oh the silage on this is it's only four hours and and people say that you get a an earthy tone but it smells like lipstick in a handbag to me i don't know what purpose cologne is supposed to serve anymore because we take baths we we wash ourselves and it used to be that it was invented to to mask the scent of an unwashed body so i feel like it's overkill these days I mean, I think cologne exists for the same reason that we scent shampoo and toothpaste and stuff. It's like, you like to customize your smells. We, it's weird. It's weird, John. I don't like it. I mean, I've, I've worn cologne and being complimented on cologne is nice. I think this is just people looking for compliments. It could be. It could just adding more things to your your personal style to that that might warrant a compliment. And that's all I want is those sweet mints. The sweet mints. You should wear a shirt that says "Compliment me." I do. It really doesn't get me a lot of compliments. Oh, that's odd. You think more people would be willing to listen to what a shirt has to say? I do wear a shirt that says "Don't compliment me," and people really seem to like that one. Well, that's because that's reverse psychology, John. Ah, uh, reverse psychology 101. Nailed it.
Nailed it. Always wear a shirt with the opposite message of what you want people to do. Which is why you wear a shirt that says obey when you want people to rebel. And why you you wear a hat that says make America great again when you really want people to make America worse again. Oh boy. Oh wait, did I go there? Nah, 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 that wasn't me. That was some other person. And that's why you wear a shirt that says Frankie says relax when you really want people to believe that Frankie wants them to be tense. Yeah. Frankie tense. Frankie says, tense up, be afraid. Be afraid, yo. Stay woke, don't sleep. So should I buy like a $60 cologne? I say start with a $30 cologne and work your way up. I, my plan is to go to TJ Maxx and just try out colognes and see which ones smell good. That's a good idea, because even though, like, even though the magazines price it at a certain price range, that doesn't mean that the shops will, will fall suit. And TJ Maxx is a place where you you can find, like, designer brand stuff for not designer brand price. So you can check out what they have, and maybe you can find a deal. Or I could go to TJ Maxx before my next social outing, find one that I like on the sample card, then spray myself with it. Then if I get compliments, I buy it. There you go. It's a starter sample pack. Yeah, I mean, I'll get at least a good, like, four hours out of it. Yeah, your salonge. Yeah, my salonge. Solange, what I don't know. I don't know this stuff, man. You're just it's a whole new world out there. Hey, you should uh, you should wear some $800 cologne. I don't feel like it. Uh, that's fair. <laughs> so John, ah, I have a question. Ah. What are we doing? I think we're fighting about cologne. I think yeah, th- th- this is as bad as it gets. Th- this is our disagreement. Is this amicable? conversation yeah it's not worth having disagreements why are you dying over there buddy i don't know what's happening with my voice i've kind of been having this like low level cough for a while i've been having that too uh it's a hurricane cough we're fucked yeah hurricane cough it's it's the no i i thought it was just my asthma uh kicking up and oh shit henry what's up john hold on what am i holding on to a segment a whole segment? I forgot that I had a segment. You have a segment that you forgot. Let's hear it. Da ba da ba da ba ba. It's segment music. All right. So this is a classic segment that we've had a few times. You're not just pulling my leg, right? No, it's a segment we have had for a few a few episodes. All right. It is. I forget the name of the segment, but I think it goes a little bit like, "What's going on in Game of Thrones?" Yeah, that's a. Alright, so what's going on in Game of Thrones? Where are you now in the in the season list? So as we all know, season seven has ended. Yes, season seven just ended. It was it was a good little season. Really? I don't know. You watched it though. I did. But you can't oh, cause no spoilers in the zone. Well yeah, I can't spoil season seven. Okay, well, I'm in season three. Alright. Let me rephrase that. I finished season three. Oh, you just finished wrapped up you're gonna have to remind me what happens uh so the red wedding is definitely a big part of it Ooh, that's a that's a pretty that's a pretty episode there yeah red wedding happens uh the season doesn't end with the red wedding i forget exactly what it ends with yeah that's a that's kind of the pattern that they set up in their season uh structure the big thing always happens in, in episode 9, and then there's an episode after that to set things up for the next season. Yeah. Oh, man. 
the uh, the stuff with the the dragon lady, <laughs> Danny. Yeah, Danny, Danny yeah. Dragon Lady, Daenerys, Danny. Yeah, um, but that stuff happened. Here's the thing that what? I got. Oh, also the Sansa Tyrion stuff happened. Yeah, yeah, all good things, which is cool. Um, the Red Wedding. Uh, for those of you who don't know what it is, I won't spoil it because no spoilers in the zone. <laughs> okay. Uh, I don't know, where did we land on the spoilers thing last time? I think we can't spoil it just in case people are making their way through it for their first time, but we can still talk about things that you're confused about. Okay, I'm not confused about this. That's good. This show takes certain creative liberties with the work of George R. R. Martin. Yes, it does. It consolidates, it cuts, it streamlines, and it invents new pointless things. You know what it sure didn't uh, didn't change in any way whatsoever? What didn't it change, John? Everything about the Red Wedding. Uh, it changed quite a bit about the Red Wedding, John. Uh, the, the events that happened within the Red Wedding were like exactly in the book. Nope, you are were misguided, they not? John. What? What's different then? But no spoilers. Uh, certain characters don't die, but they die in the show. Certain characters are written out of the book because George R. R. Martin forgot about them. Oh, wait, hold on. Who are we talking about? An explicit, explicit spoiler, spoiler, spoilerly, spoiler, spoiler terms, John. No, no spoilers in the zone. You have to, you have to clue me in. I'm talking about a certain, uh, wife. Oh. Did that not happen in the book? She did not die in the book. She oh, was really? Sh- she was shipped off back home. Oh, man. Then that's way gnarlier what the show did. Yeah, the show made it very grotesque, but, but it, like, in a way that put a very finite ending to it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I guess if that character's not going to show back up again. Oh, uh, no, she, she doesn't. Oh, well, yeah, she doesn't. I, I mean, I don't think that's a spoiler. She's yeah. just locked away by her family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's just... It's just rough. I Man, I don't like watching it. Yeah. At all. Yeah. <laughs> that That's that's a very hard scene to watch. I don't like it at all. Uh, It's shot real good, though. It, the show has a way of making me not like certain scenes because they're gross, but they're gross in excess of what the book laid out. So it's just like... It feels like it's being gross for the sake of being gross, but it also sort of wraps up loose plot lines, I guess. I don't know. Man, I thought that was basically exactly how it happened in the books. I probably should have read the books less than four years ago. Yeah, that's that's a real problem with the show. The show has a way of sort of erasing people's memories of the books, but I remember everything I read, John, just not not actively. Sometimes the things just come to me. You got eidetic memory. I, I really don't. I have random access memory. Oh, you RAM? I have RAM. Dodge RAM? But I mean it literally in that somebody has to trigger a memory for me to remember it. You know, that show's okay. It's okay. The latter seasons have definitely... The quality has stepped off immensely. It, it feels more like fan fiction now, but mm. I'm kind of okay with it because we're never getting the next book. The, uh, I mean, George R. R. Martin has so much money now, he could just quit. He could just quit, but, you know, don't, don't. Yeah, because he cares so much about his art. No, look at him. 
What? He cares He cares about supporting other artists. He cares about his wild card series. What is that? It's a collaboration of a bunch of different sci-fi and fantasy writers uh, writing in a shared universe that's been going on for like 30 years. Oh, cool. Yeah, there, there's anthologies and whatnot, and he always helps out with the editing of the... Of the uh, of the next edition. Maybe you should quit that and put out a book. He actually has said he's he's not working on any other projects, at least writing-wise, until the next book comes out. What is that, Winds of uh, Winter? Winds of Winter, John. That is the title of the next book. I wonder if Winter's in it. Yeah, I think Winter is in it, John. Man, the show also, like, plays havoc with character relationships in a way that I'm not down with. <laughs> the, the show straight up kills people for no reason, like, the show straight up just ends whole character lines just for the sake of, I guess, having less characters? I don't know. But also, the show, like, takes characters from the book and then just turns them into different people. Yeah, it does that too. Like, how the pre- the Red Priest Thoros and one of the the Brotherhood of Without Banners are the same person. But look at um, Dario Naharis. Like, completely, totally different character in the show. Oh, yeah. I, I, I don't know what they were thinking. I don't know. Then there's, like, this weird, like, contrived soap opera angle that they're working with that character that I can't get behind. Yeah, I mean, Marine in the books and Marine in the show, both both handled poorly. Can we also talk about how, like, um, Jojen Reed and his sister just kind of show up in the show and nothing about them is explained whatsoever? Yeah, no mention of Hal and Reed, no mention of, like, how their fathers were very, very close friends. Yeah, like, I I think that the, the Reeds have a really interesting history, and they're really cool characters, and they just kind of show up. Yeah, they, they just show up and say, hey, uh, we thought we were needed here, because plot. We thought we were needed here. Also, you're a warg. A what? Okay. Yeah. I'm a what? The writers don't know what to, what to do with me for the next few seasons? Okay. Which, to be fair, when I was reading the books, I'd always be like, Ugh, a brand chapter. Yeah, but then it got interesting, and then we never found out what happened. Yay! No, not yay. Yay! No conclusion. I mean, how, how many how many epi- how many seasons have you watched The Game of Thrones? Uh, it's season three. Oh, well, you'll learn about Bran. Haven't, haven't we discussed the fact that this segment is called What's Going On in Game of Thrones because I haven't watched the show? Henry, thought, keep up. I thought you, you... Well, you read the books. Yeah. So you kind of know. Yeah. What? Yeah. What? It's been a long time. It's a when long time. A, when did A Feast for Crows come out? Like 2004? I don't know. I read them all after they came out. Shit. I didn't keep up with the stuff as it was going until I got to the point of Winds of Winter. I didn't read Dance with Dragons. You should read Dance with Dragons. Who reads books? I do. I'm reading The Road currently. Oh, Cormac McCarthy? Yeah, Cormac McCarthy. Man, I can't wait until we start the segment called What's Going On in the Road. I'd have to remember what I've read. The answer? Bad shit. Yeah, well, I mean, it's like a post-apocalyptic survival story so that's good oh yeah basically game of thrones yeah it's game of thrones what if the last game of thrones book they like open a portal into the modern world and then uh, john snow comes out of the portal and he sees 
he sees a he sees a car and he's like, "What is this iron carriage?" And then Tim Allen gets out and he's like, "Hey, friend!" Isn't that like the 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 exact plot of the Dark Tower series? Yeah, basically. Less Tim Allen though. Oh, I thought Tim Allen was the main antagonist. Oh yeah, he's the <laughs> he's he's the man in black, right? Yeah, he's the Dark Tower or the gunslinger. Who's the bad guy in that? I don't know. The movie Stephen came out. Stephen King. Nobody watched the. What? He's in the book. Oh, Stephen King is absolutely in the Dark Tower series. Yeah, because he's the one writing. It. He he writes himself into the books. Oh, that's kind of neat. Because I when guess. the uh, I think when the gunslinger describes it, he or like Stephen King is in the book, and then the gunslinger is like, "Oh, he looks like me." It's dumb. Well, yeah, because it's Stephen King. Which, no offense to Stephen King, is a when he wants to be, he's a good writer. But sometimes, you know, when you do a long-standing series that spans several books, you kind of lose yourself. Yeah, George R. R. Martin. Yeah, you're right. However, the only person who's never lost himself... Who? Guy who writes the Dresden Files. Always good. <laughs> uh, Jim Butcher? Yeah, Jim Butcher. Always good. I don't know. Have you read his other series? Um, Could not get into it. Is it the one that's about basically like the Lost Roman Legion plus Pokemon? Yes. Yeah, I read one book. It's, yeah. Could not get into it. Oh, boy. Man, did you know I was reading an article today that said fiction writers make at, on average $60,000 a year? Yeah, fiction, fiction writing doesn't pay. Yeah, maybe fictional fiction writers make that. Yeah, sixty sixty thousand. That that's actually really like high. And that was an average salary. Well, on one hand, you've got Stephen King and what's that guy's name? Who I hate, J- James Patrick? No, James Patterson. James Patterson. Like you, you've got the factory people who churn out books faster than people can read and then on the other hand you got you know the people just starting out who aren't actually making money at all yeah i think it's a it's tough to break into and there's so many outliers yeah there's a lot of books out there that people and people are reading less and less so it's like why even do it because i want to damn it i'm clive cussler man it's weird but i actually have a segment about books john what how did we end up this way? I don't know. Is that is that the name of the segment? How did we end up this way? <laughs> uh, no, this, I guess the, the, the segment, which is, it wouldn't be a reoccurring segment because of the circumstances, but it could be, what's going on with Terry Pratchett? What is going on with Terry Pratchett? Oh no, wait. Well, he died, so yeah, not much. Yeah, not a whole lot. But uh, you got to keep in mind, we did give him our full-throated approval last week. Yeah, yeah, no, th- this this is not going to be... <laughs> that would be hilarious. Because it's <laughs> somehow, posthumously, Terry Pratchett turned into a creep after we endorsed him. That would be amazing. Uh, what a weird superpower that would be. <laughs> as soon as you fully support someone, they turn into a creep. Uh, good news, John. Terry Pratchett did not turn into a creep. Phew. All right. I just want to rip that Band-Aid off. Uh, But today uh, was... How do I phrase this? Uh, Today, one of the items of his will was fulfilled. Oh. Uh, Do you want to take any guesses? Uh, Well, today? Yeah, today. He died in 2015. Today, one of his last wishes was fulfilled. Um, For two years to have passed since his death. That's not a wish. (laughs) Wait, you could make wishes? Yeah, like your last wish, you know, like, oh. like 
you know, as as I'm dying, do this in the name of my last wish. Um, people have ceased reading books. <laughs> With my dying breath, I beg of you, <laughs> With- stop people from reading my books. With... I, Terry Pratchett, use my killing curse to make society stop reading books. <laughs> uh, you're, you're, you're never going to guess it. Uh, okay, what is it? The hard drive containing ten unfinished of books of his was destroyed by a steamroller. Okay, I can get behind that. Yeah, he, he specifically outlined that he wanted a steamroller to... Ru- to, to crush the hard drive that had 10 of 10 unpublished unfinished books on it i guess he's not a fan of uh, posthumously published works well no writer really wants their their rough drafts or their their half-baked half-baked novels to be published because it, it it's you know it shows the process it shows too much Mm-hmm. We, we writers want everyone to think that you know this stuff just comes natural and easy to them and that's why they're writers when really it's a lot of hard work and a lot of the first drafts are pure and utter garbage. I mean, that's a lot like saying, oh, this famous baker died. Do you want some batter? <laughs> this famous uh, cook died. Do you want this uncooked steak? This famous uh, stonemason died. Do you want a bag of wet cement? And yeah, I, I think it also kind of talks to like he didn't want posthumously to like have some of his art, some of his some of his unfinished art to be exploited. Mm-hmm. Not that there would have been a risk for that, since his daughter, I think, holds the estate, and uh, his daughter, of course, wouldn't be one to, uh, to like try to money grub. I don't think it's good to have children who don't money grub. J.R.R. Tolkien. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Though, I don't know. His kids have. Uh, they. I don't know. I mean, Christopher Tolkien, I think, is trying to protect the legacy of the books by not allowing Peter Jackson to to. Uh, do the Cimmerillion, but I can't talk about what they did to the Hobbit movies. I have no idea who made that call. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's more complicated than I make it seem. Yeah. So yeah, this is a little bit of news from Terry Pratchett, which is kind of neat since we we talked about him last week. Yeah, and I think it's a, it's a nice bookend because now you can't even look at his unpublished works and think badly of him. Yeah, I had a, a weird experience with an unfinished work when douglas adams died of a sudden heart attack he was working on another dirk gently novel called the salmon of doubt and uh somebody got their hands on it and published it with like an interview or a couple of essays of his and reading it just because like i wanted to read the last thing that this this author that i looked up to for so long was writing at the time of his sudden demise but like finishing it just (sighs) I don't know, it left me feeling very empty, knowing that the work would never be finished, and it was released in this state. It's a real, uh, ghost out of Watchmen. Yeah, it's, it's, that one's even sadder, because, of course, the author was still alive when they, when they published it, right? Mm-hmm, yeah, uh, still very much alive, very old. And, and if you... There's a lot of, like, theories and rumors that Ghost out of Watchmen was just an earlier draft of... The, uh, what would become To Kill a Mockingbird. Mm-hmm. So I want to kind of call elder abuse and that they were just exploiting this famous author to try to get more money and recognition for their, their press. 
Oh, that is more than probable. Yeah, it's just like, when authors get to a certain point when they can't write anymore, or they're done with writing, which actually happens sometimes, I feel like you should just let it go, you know? Celebrate the works that were there. Don't focus on the unfinished things. But if George R.R. Martin dies, they better release the notes. Whoa. I'm sorry, I need to know. I deserve to know. I Just read... watch the show. No, I read pages upon pages about plum pudding and, and people people's sticky mouths, which were sweet with things, and, and sweat and, and, and spiced wine and Dornish wine and so much about food, John. I've read so much about food, I deserve to know how it was supposed to be told. I think you deserve a nice, cold flagon of chilled milk with honey. Oh, at least it's cold milk. Yes, not not that wretched hot milk. Well, like, lukewarm milk to me is disgusting. That was my favorite character from the books who kind of get written off was hot milk. Hot milk? Yeah, hot milk definitely did not get the send-off he deserved. Or she. No, it was, it was just like, man, hot milk's gone. Yeah, buy hot milk. You know, I'm really happy about this Terry Pratchett thing because, if nothing, for a purely selfish, brand-related reason, it has cemented our position on Terry Pratchett. Yeah, hopefully, you know, next week we don't find out that the hard drive also contained, like, the like I'm trying to think of the weirdest thing that would also still be kind of creepy. The world's worst pornography. Yeah, <laughs> like... Like a weird satire of pornography that just didn't, that doesn't read well or something. It, it would have pornography on it that you would actually have to try to intellectually understand as pornography because there's no way that you could see it as titillating. Exactly. Something like that. But I bet he Terry Pratchett would write pretty good pornography though. Yeah, I mean, he was the master of, like, the master of satire, the master of taking a concept and, like, just pinpointing it and humor. So I feel like he would be able to do something nice with pornography. Hey, and damn, someone has to. I mean, he would be able to do something nicer than what the rest of the world does with pornography. Which is bad things. Yeah, which is, man, the the writing in pornography is just... it leaves a lot to be desired let's just say that i just feel like it needs a few good rounds of punch up and then maybe it's something deliverable i feel like we need to get and i don't mean we need to get like triple a writers but just get some jim butchers and some patrick rothfusses in just writing <laughs> pornography and it's gonna be good hey i mean some of the more uh the more body scenes of, of jim butcher's work kind of verge on pornography actually reading the sex scenes in the dresden files makes me want to puke my own head off so probably don't get him involved yeah there's a weird thing in literature and writing where it's like how do you handle sex scenes because sex happens people experience it but it's so awkward and weird to write about and that there's no way to kind of encapsulate it in detail the the easiest way is they had sex the end. I would I would really like to write a book uh, that is replete with sexual encounters, and it would get it would cover everything up to anything that could be considered sex, and then it just said, and then they did it. 
Yeah. <laughs> period. Next sentence. That, that's probably the easiest way to do it. It's like in the movie when you see, when you basically see the two people on the bed and then the next scene, like it fades to black and the next scene is like the, the covers are all wrapped around them. That's like, if you can do that in writing, that's more favorable than going into any detail because it just ends up sounding weird and awkward. And I'm really glad they changed that thing they used to do in movies whenever characters would start to do it. And then, like, a big silent movie-style, like, card would come up that said, they did it. And then... (laughs) Yeah, they did it. And and then, like, the next... There's a series of cards. The next card is, like, you know what I mean? And then the next card is wink, wink. Next card's nudge, nudge. And the the only annoying thing about it is it's three cards in that order. The first one is like a wolf whistle. And then yeah. the second one goes, ooh, ooh. And then the third one's just a wolf howling. It's very annoying. Yeah. And that was just, that, that was everywhere in every movie. And it's like, there's not even wolves in this movie. Why is this here? Uh, well, I mean, it did happen in Dances with Wolves. Well, that's fair because there were wolves in it. That, yeah, that's okay. Yeah, wolves did it. Yeah, but and 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 Gone with the Wind, there were no wolves. No, I mean, what is this? Gone with the Wolves? Yeah, it's not Gone with the Wolves, it's Gone with the Wind. That's in the title. Though it would be interesting, just a little bit of frankly, my dear, I don't give a They did it. <laughs> they did it. <laughs> oh boy. Mid sentence. Mid sentence. <laughs> that would be great. What a terrible podcast this has been. What do you mean? We flowed, John. We entered the flow state. We started out and with meager, humble beginnings of talking about birthdays into the big fight, into male fashion, into books, into Game of Thrones. That's how we got the books. Game of Thrones to books to Terry Pratchett to this weird wrap up that I'm doing. Hey, it's gotten... I feel like that's a solid wrap-up, Henry. Yeah, and, and we didn't even have to to rely on any of the filler content that I had planned, which I am okay with. And thank God we had a theme. Yeah, and this week's theme was written into us by a fan. Yeah, they gave us the theme, and we read it as we were doing the podcast. Yeah, and uh, this fan is totally real and in no way, no way made up. So what I'll do is I'll read the fan's name, and then you tell us what the theme is. Yeah. Uh, the fan's name is, uh, Mdami Asamug. Oh, fuck. What's what's that actor's name? That's not what his name is. That's ridiculous. What are you saying, John? That's not ridiculous. I wasn't going to say that. Uh, his name is Clay Skipper. Clay Skipper. And he sent in the theme. Well, it's actually kind of hard to read, John. Yeah, it's it's very it's very long, but I mean you have the masters in English, so if anyone can read words, it's you. Uh he sent us in the theme When I get up, I gotta get me a plan to do whatever I can, I suppose. I'm already working for my Uncle Sam. You know he's got me counting Cheerios. That's a pretty good theme. Yep. And uh that that was the theme for this week, and if you wanna Take that apart and unpack it and analyze it. Feel free. And you can send us your in-depth analysis analysis of that theme at our email, which is, of course, zerocreditsisapodcast at gmail.com. That's all one word, all lowercase. Oh, wait, I forgot to talk about something, John. Oh, shit. We we had some interaction on our Twitter that I, I, I wanted your input on. 
Is it is it another goddamn sex robot? It's not another goddamn sex robot, although I wish they would stop adding us. Yep. Uh, but this comes from our good friend, uh, I forget what we would call her, I think it was Eric's, Eric? Eric's yeah, cousin? Eric. Yeah, Eric. Uh, she wrote to us saying, I know this goes against the rules, but Henry should listen to Taz, so that at ZCPCWHJ can do a supplemental reading. Hashtag hopeful. Hashtag the zone cast. Firstly, offended that I was not included in that tweet. Uh, well, I'm sorry, but do you know anything about this? Do you, can, can you unpack this for me? Oh, do you not understand? I have... What is Taz? Or am I saying it wrong? Is it T-A-Z? T-A-Z or Taz. Uh, do you know who the McElroy brothers are? Are they, like, the Duffer brothers? No, they make a podcast that's called My Brother, My Brother and Me, which I don't want to talk too much about other podcasts because you know we have a strict rule against advertising them. Wait, My Brother and My Brother and Me? Yeah, that's the name of the podcast. Oh no, I'm thinking of Dumb People Town with another set of brothers, I'm sorry. Yeah, very different. So uh- The Adventure Zone is a D&D podcast that is... Uh, funny and really kind of interesting, and I think that it's a super positive listen. Okay, so maybe I can do a listen on it, and would you be interested in a supplemental reading of them? Yeah, I'm 58 episodes in. Holy, oh, okay, I need to catch up. Yeah, it is a it is a and d show that is put together by Griffin McElroy, and he does a very good job of creating a pretty uh, tight, unconventional narrative over the course of the show, and it's actually kind of a joy to listen to, because it's a bunch of people, and the, the sensibilities are, are interesting. I'd like to hear your take on it. Okay, it's a strictly, it's a strictly audio podcast? Uh, strictly audio, there's a lot of like fan art and stuff, but I've never seen any of it, because that means going on Tumblr. Okay, well, I, yeah, I can check this out, and maybe somewhere down the line we can do something about it. And uh, it has just wrapped up, so there's no better time to get involved. Oh, it's over. Yeah, the story definitively ended. Oh, well, that's, that's usually when I get involved with things, so that's great. All right, so just 67 hours of that. 67 hours. Well, I'm not going to listen to the whole thing. I'll listen to what I can, and maybe we can plan a supplemental reading sometime. And... If you want to get in contact with us, like Eric did, on Twitter, all you have to do is get get at us at zcpcwhj on twitter.com. You can watch us play video games on twitch.tv slash zero credits. You can like us on Facebook by searching for Zero Credits Podcast. And we are on iTunes. Like, comment, and subscribe on iTunes and tell your friends. Tell your friends, tell your friends, tell your friends. And we made that like 10 minutes long. You're welcome. That's what I'm here to do. Well, I, I just, I forgot about the Eric thing. We had to, we had to get her in there, you know? Yeah, because we established last week that I was going to try to tighten it up and you just had to fucking torpedo me. I get it. Yes, but 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 also I would like to be involved too. I know. I want to be the guy. I just want you to realize that it's not as easy as you think it is. Of course it's not as easy as I think it is. And I think that's a that's a good place to end the podcast. <laughs> You're the, right. The realization that making a podcast and talking about ads is Harder than you think. From everyone here at Zero Credit Studios, we want to wish you a happy week. Get out of here. Get out of here, you crazy goofball. Get out of my fucking... Bye.
to say get out of my collard greens to make like a to make a to kill a mockingbird joke but it did not work